This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Wednesday, June 15th. I'm Matt Hoish. And I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, Telluride approves new tourism board agreement. Koto launches Jerry Green Legacy Fund. Bluegrass is back. And a mountain weather forecast. But first, San Miguel County Search and Rescue, along with San Miguel County Sheriff deputies, responded to a call on the Ofer Wall in Ofer on Tuesday after a 24-year-old local woman got injured while climbing. According to the sheriff's office, the woman's father requested assistance after she fell approximately 40 feet while leading a route high on the wall. 23 responders assisted to the rescue mission, which took approximately three hours. The woman was carried out in a litter and taken by private vehicle to the Telluride Regional Medical Center for care. The town of Telluride has reached a new interim agreement with the Telluride Tourism Board. The title here is temporary. I don't want anyone to be um, confused by that. It's a legal agreement, but it's just a duration of one year. That's town attorney Kevin Geiger discussing the agreement with council at their meeting on Tuesday. The plan, Geiger adds, is to reevaluate the agreement in the fall. The last few months have been a time of change for the Telluride Tourism Board. Last November, Telluride voters approved a ballot question, giving the town more flexibility in how it funds the regional marketing body. In January, longtime president and CEO Michael Martelon stepped down. And last month, longtime Tourism Board employee Kira Skinner stepped in as executive director. During a presentation to town council at their meeting this week, board chair Dan Jansen stressed the community has changed in the 15-plus years since the Tourism Board was founded. Then, he says, growth was a main focus. Now, the focus is more on sustainable tourism. So we think it's a great time to revise and revisit what we do and how we do it and how we're funded. Some people have said, oh, the TTB is getting blown up. I want to be very clear. We're really excited about the opportunity to better communicate and evolve our mission and focus. Jansen also stresses the board's commitment to transparency, which he acknowledges has been an issue in the past. You wanted our financials, we give you four years of them. <laughs> you know, we have new leadership and a new mission. And uh, if you ever think we're withholding something, please, uh, please ask. That's not our intention at all. We want to be an open book. Under the new agreement, town will receive quarterly reports. The tourism board will have annual audits and board meetings. For the most part, Geiger explains, will be open to the public. That's a change from what we have previously seen. And we're very happy to to see that occur. The town of Telluride will pay $990,000 annually to the Tourism Board under the new agreement. The Tourism Board also updated Town Council on tourism metrics this week. According to Holly Hannas, Director of Operations, reservation numbers they track for 2022 have already exceeded 2021. But we are pacing a little bit behind for summer, um, but I do uh, I am confident that we'll we'll pick that up with short term um, short lead bookings. On a more detailed level, the picture gets a bit more complicated. Compared to last year, the number of guest nights this summer is down about 40 percent. But the average daily rate for a stay is up by about 35 percent. Jansen notes the town has asked the tourism board not to actively market Telluride, so they haven't. But he explains they are still marketing the town of Mountain Village, which he says has tracked more consistently with last year. 
that may be exactly what some people want. <laughs> um, maybe as an owner, co-owner of a Main Street business, I'm a little worried uh, about that. Um, when the next recession hits, Deutsche Bank thinks we're already in one, uh, we stand ready to crank up marketing or whatever you think is appropriate at that time. Councilmember Geneva Shawnette says it's not possible for numbers to increase every year. You know, the last couple of years have been a big boom. So we expected some numbers to go down at some point, right? The tourism board, Jansen says, wants to be a part of a discussion about what the carrying capacity of the community is. What we want is sustainable, take some of the volatility out. We're not about setting records anymore. That's that's old TTB. Now it's like, how do we find that balance? However that conversation pans out in the future, council will be a part of it. Telluride Town Council approved the new interim agreement with TTB 6-0. Councilmember Adrian Christie was not at this week's meeting. As part of the agreement, town also has one seat on the board. Council appointed Councilmember Mian Fee to fill that seat. Jerry Green was a man of many interests. He was a ski bum, an environmental activist, a business owner, a fierce defender of the First Amendment, a news junkie, and he was the co-founder of KOTO Community Radio. This, according to his loved ones, was his proudest achievement. Upon his passing in the spring of 2021, Jerry left a very generous gift to his beloved radio station. One year later, the KOTO family is preparing for the official launch of the Jerry Green Legacy Fund on his birthday, Saturday, June 18th. KOTO Executive Director Kara Pallone talks about Jerry Day and the importance of this newly established fund. Hey, Kara. Hey, Julia. Thanks for uh, coming into the the old newsroom stomping grounds and chatting about the Jerry Green Legacy Fund that Kodo is kicking off this weekend. First, can you just share what the fund is? Yes, absolutely. So the Jerry Green Legacy Fund came about last year um, upon the passing of Jerry Green we learned that he left a generous gift to the station, which he co-founded with Jim Bedford back in 1975. Um, the staff and board discussed what to do with this gift and decided that we really wanted to do something meaningful with it. We decided to invest it. It's being managed by Alpine Bank's Wealth Management Division, and it was established for the long-term sustainability of the radio station. And the official launch of the Jerry Green Legacy Fund is this Saturday, Jerry's birthday. When you say the long-term sustainability of the station, like what does that mean? Totally. So this is this fund is separate and apart from our general operating fund. So this is really when you think about the legacy fund, you think about meaningful or significant projects that could be on the horizon, expanding Kodo's signal, uh, maximizing and utilizing the Purple House on Pine to the best of its ability um, and um, just really making use of this space in a way that is efficient and um, just other projects that could come about, big capital projects. It should be thought of as a meaningful fund for Kodo's future. So you mentioned that it's going to kick off on Saturday, Jerry's birthday. What is that going to look like? So it will be a lot of fun, I'm hoping. Uh, it's Saturday morning, really early uh, on a Saturday morning of bluegrass. But we're meeting, a, a group of us are meeting here at Kodo, and we're going to head down to the line at Town Park and hand out donuts and information about the Jerry Green Legacy Fund. Donuts from Baked and Telluride, obviously, which Jerry Green owned and founded. Um, 
And then the broadcast team will be pumping the Jerry Green Legacy Fund all day in the park. We've got the microphone to the world over the weekend, so we're really going to make use of that and take um, take this opportunity to share information. And then also it's tip day on Saturday for Kodo, which is really fortuitous. Planet Bluegrass just let us know that Kodo gets all the tips. So drink heavily on Saturday and tip tip heavily as well. For those who would like to donate, how should they go about doing that? There's a couple of ways. First, you can go to Kodo.org. You can always donate there. Uh, and just specify in the notes section where you would like the funds to go. You can email me at kara at kodo.org. That's kara with a C. Or you can um, send a check in the mail, P.O. Box 1069, Telluride, Colorado 81435. And thank you so much for your support. It is Jerry's birthday on Saturday. Um, in honor of him and this fund, do you mm-hmm. have any um, good special memories that just jump out of, of who he was? I do. Uh so I really first started appreciating Jerry Green when I started at Kodo in 2013 as the news director because you could always get a good quote out of Jerry. You could always recruit him to call in during a fundraising show. I'll never forget when he cornered me at BIT right after I started and said, so what do you think about NPR's new underwriting? And was just really upset about that. As we all know, he's like fiercely independent and um, the non-commercial, non-underwritten legacy really that is jerry green and uh and then but more recently i would say we we co-hosted a fundraising show in the spring of 2021 right before he passed away and um he showed up it was dark outside he was wearing his white tank top and his rainbow suspenders and he was wild-eyed and his hair was wild and he had this sort of just unbridled energy behind the mic and i remember sitting there not getting a word in and thinking to myself Wow, after all these years, he is still so excited to do his show, Nordic Commando Radio, every Thursday morning, 6 to 9. And it was just really inspiring to watch. So I think that's my favorite memory of Jerry. High until you ride upon Bridalville, 10,000 feet. That was KOTO's executive director, Kara Pallone, talking about the launch of the Jerry Green Legacy Fund. Thanks to a very generous gift from two local families, any funds raised over Bluegrass Weekend will be matched dollar for dollar up to $25,000. Hey, hey, hey. How in the world did we get this far? Hey, hey, hey. Holding tight to the tail of a shooting. After a canceled 2020 and a scaled-back 2021, the Telluride Bluegrass Festival is back in full force this weekend. The 49th annual festival runs from this Thursday, June 16th, through Sunday the 19th. But the festivities have already gotten going, as throngs of Festivarians fill the Telluride Town Park Campground. KOTO News spoke with some of those campers about what they're excited for, and how it feels to be back for the first full-on festival in three years. It is one of the most magical places on earth. I think of it as grown-up summer camp, where you get to just come be whoever you want to be and just have fun with other people and play and enjoy incredible music and build community unlike anywhere else in the world.
my name is Caroline Mitchell, and I'm from Fort Collins. Hey, I'm Brian Roney. I think this is year 18. Feels great because I missed the last couple years with COVID. And so, yeah, this is the first time we've been here since, I guess, 19. There's a lot of not good stuff happening in the world, and this is kind of not that. This is everyone's, everyone's on their best behavior. Doesn't feel as polarized. People aren't talking politics. People aren't talking about why everyone's different. People are just having a good time. My name is Anita Hartley, and I live in Steamboat Springs, and this is my mm, fifth year at the Bluegrass Fest. There's so many good friends here, and it just makes me feel full and happy. There's not a moment that I'm stressed out, you know, like I was just scrubbing the grime off my grill, but I was still having a good old time because my friends are sitting there playing banjo and guitar right next to me, and certain things in life can become mundane, and none of that is here. campground's full of musicians which is really cool so it's like always a party it's just so fun it's the most fun I've ever had in my entire life I grew up listening to heavy metal actually so it was kind of like a surprise about how much I loved bluegrass when I first heard it I like that bluegrass is more nuanced than it seems initially I think it's one of those types of music that if you're not paying attention, it can sound kind of alike, but there's so much variety within bluegrass that there's a lot for everybody. Jess Steinitz. Jim Schleep. I didn't get into bluegrass music until my first Telluride Bluegrass Festival back in 2013. I keep coming back here ever since then. My name is AJ. My trail name is Slowpoke. I've been hiking the Continental Divide Trail from Mexico. I started back in April and I got to Silverton about five days ago and just walked here. I've been a, you know, on a journey of spaces and this is one of the better spaces in the universe as far as I'm concerned. Chrissy Campbell. It's a awesome community. These people are so special to me. They're kind of like my extended family. It's like a big family reunion every year. Some people haven't been here for several years and so and then one of our last years together we had some tragedy um, and we're all kind of like you know like getting together and talking about that too and and so there's a lot of emotions. Anyway, I'm gonna try to get through this. I make no promises. <laughs> From the sands of Olima, we out on the Molly's Bay. I'm Mark Gibson from down in Cortez. I've been coming to this festival since uh, I guess about 2002. I walked in the first time and haven't missed it since. We were remembering one of the elder statesmen of this whole tribe. Jerry Lunchford was uh, one of the guys that held this whole community together, and he passed on his way here in 2019, right down between Dolores and Rico. He had a car accident. It took him out on his way to the festival. And um, this is the first time the whole group's been here to, to have a memorial for him, and that's what this was. So tell the ones you love, make peace with the ones you don't. Always slow down for life's curves. Turn up the radio. The kitchen dwellers are here this year, and I love them, so they're probably one of the things I'm looking forward to the most. So. My favorite band is always Punch Brothers. Green Sky Bluegrass. I think Molly Tuttle is high on the list. Definitely the Dusters, uh, Watch House. 
Oh, and I'm so excited the ducks are coming back. I got to see them here a number of years ago. So I'm really excited to see them again. Who doesn't want to see Tenacious D at a bluegrass festival? <laughs> San Miguel County is entering stage one fire restrictions this week. According to the San Miguel County Sheriff's Office, unincorporated areas in San Miguel County, in addition to local Bureau of Land Management land, entered the restrictions on Wednesday. The BLM, Gunnison, and Uncompagre field offices are going into stage one fire restrictions. The Trace Rios field office is going into stage two fire restrictions. Under the restrictions, campfires, charcoal barbecues, and grills are prohibited. Under stage one restrictions, fires are permitted if in a permanent fire pit or grate within a recreation site. Gas and propane grills are also allowed if they have an on-off switch. Fireworks are prohibited, as is smoking, unless in an enclosed vehicle or building or on hardscape areas. Individuals may not operate internal or external combustion engines without a working spark arresting device and possession of a fire extinguisher. San Miguel County entered stage one fire restrictions on Wednesday, June 15th. The restrictions will stay in place indefinitely. Fireworks are out this 4th of July. This week, the Telluride Fire Protection District announced it is canceling the fireworks show due to ongoing drought conditions. The Protection District notes that while there is rain in the forecast, fuel moisture levels will likely not recover in time to have a safe fireworks display. Still, there are ways to enjoy the Independence Day weekend. With a run up a mountain, the Telluride Foundation is hosting its 13th annual Run de la Foot Race on July 4th, starting at the base of the gondola in Telluride and finishing at the top by San Sofia Station. Runners gain nearly 2,000 feet and can make their way up the mountain any way they can, run, hike, or crawl. Daniel Kraft holds the run record with a time of 21 minutes, 34.36 seconds. Nora Conanen holds the women's record with a time of 27 minutes, 29.81 seconds. Registration for the Rundala is now open and available at runreg.com rundala. E-bikes will be allowed on trails within the Telluride Ski Resort this summer. According to Telski officials, the new e-bike policy only applies to Class 1 e-bikes. Those are pedal assist with no throttle and have a maximum assisted speed of 20 miles per hour. E-bikes will be allowed to load at Chair 4 and exit at San Sofia Station. The e-bikes will not be allowed on Boomerang or the Wasatch Connection. Those trails lead directly to U.S. Forest Service land where e-bikes are not permitted. The Telski Bike Park opens for the summer season on Saturday, June 18th. Young people were at the helm of organizing nationwide March for Our Lives demonstrations last weekend. While the crowds at the Denver rally trended younger, participants of a solidarity march in Boulder were overwhelmingly retirees. KGNU's Shannon Young dropped by the march in the park across from the Fraser Meadows retirement home. Dozens of people walked around Boulder's Thunderbird Lake Saturday morning. 
Some carried signs, others used walking devices. The vast majority of the people participating in this march are seniors. Why is that? We all live in a retirement center, and we have some strong political views there, so that's what got this organized. 92-year-old Viv Postmas was at the front of the march. The retired school teacher says it shouldn't be surprising that many of the seniors at the Fraser Meadows Retirement Community are politically active. Well, we've had a lot of experience and cumulative wisdom, and uh, we should contribute that as long as we can. One way Fraser residents stay active is to write letters to help out with voter registrations. Reva Greenberg, a former history professor, says retirement has given her and others more time to think about and act on issues. I feel very, very, very strongly about the lives of children and other human beings. And I just don't understand why a majority of Americans want to do something about the gun problems and yet our Congress or some people in our Congress refused to do it. Saturday's march wasn't the first time retirees at Fraser have turned out to protest gun violence against students. 83-year-old Pete Dawson says he can remember his fellow residents joining students at a nearby middle school during a walkout after the 2018 mass murder at a high school in Parkland, Florida. Uh, the kids were all take, stepping out of school for 17 minutes that day. And we went out and walked around the pond here at about the same time. And we came back and we found that at Horizon Middle School, right next to here, the kids were all walking around and holding hands. And they invited us to join them and, and hold hands and be with them during their 17 minutes. And the principal had misty eyes and we all had misty eyes. It was so moving that we were all together with the kids on this moment. Dawson joined Saturday's demonstration despite having had surgery the day before. Others at the march had more evident medical or mobility issues. We talk too much and about apathy, you know, sitting back, and, and we can't do that this time. We just cannot do that. Fraser resident and march organizer Mitch Stahl says holding the rally in the park across the street from the retirement home was key to senior participation. The walk around the pond has been carefully maintained so that we can bring our electric carts, our electric wheelchairs, our walkers, whatever, and, and feel comfortable making the trip walking around. So it gets us out because it's a desirable place. Stahl says she's been a lifelong activist and even crossed over into working within institutional politics as a congressional aide. While she still has plenty of energy, she had this advice for young people entering advocacy work. Obviously, they have to pick up the banner and carry it. I know that uh, having started myself their age, um, that there have been psych cyclical kinds of things where we think, oh my golly, nobody is going to do it if we give up. We have McCarthy come along, and, and you know, it, it, one after the other. And we thought nuclear weapons would never get under an issue, and we, never, we didn't think abortion rights would be an issue, which is, of course, coming up again. And um, so I know that there's hope. 
Stahl says she can understand why young people may feel angry about having to clean up messes not of their making, but that the anger must translate to action to arrive at a solution. For KGNU and Rocky Mountain Community Radio, I'm Shannon Young in Boulder. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for clear skies tonight with a low around 50 degrees. Thursday should be sunny during the day with a high near 80 degrees. Thursday night, expect mostly clear skies with a low in the mid-50s. Winds could gust as high as 30 miles per hour. Friday, there is a 50% chance of showers with mostly sunny skies and a high in the mid-70s. Friday night, there is a 50% chance of showers with mostly cloudy skies and a low around 50 degrees. This has been the news for Wednesday, June 15th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. KOTO News will be off on Thursday and Friday for our annual broadcast of the Telluride Bluegrass Festival. Tune in to KOTO's live broadcast from Town Park starting Thursday morning and running through Sunday night. Listen over the airwaves or online at koto.org. We'll be back with more news on Monday, June 20th.